Hi. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. So this is what the church looks like from up here. I'm usually down there with you. <laughs> but as Anthony said, um, Pastor Tom and Tracy asked me to consider being an elder early in January. And I said, I'll pray about it. And it was after that 21-day uh, period of fasting and praying that I wanted to be obedient to God. I want to serve him. I want to serve you. I want to serve this church. I want to serve the pastors. And I agreed, and I said yes. Yeah, 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 amen is right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So it's, I never desired this. I never wanted this. People ask me, and I'm like, it's in God's hands as far as I'm uh, concerned. Amen, amen, amen. So with that, this is my first time preaching. Pastor Tom and Tracy talked to me a little bit, and uh, as, uh, they asked me to be an elder, and they said, you know, we'll probably ask you to preach. I said, okay. They said, not right away, probably in June. And here we are, here we are, here we are. Yeah, 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 first time. So usually I'm there with you, right? I'm there listening and studying and right along with, uh, with Pastor Tom. Or a couple weeks ago we had, uh, was it, five, six weeks ago with Pastor Mario, right? And I want to echo what Mario was saying. I, I don't see myself as a preacher. I'd like to consider myself a, a teacher. So what I'd like to do is invite us to look at the scriptures together and see where we can draw out. So before I even begin, just pray with me. Lord, I ask that the, uh, I put myself before you, Lord God. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 25. We're going to look at a story of a couple of people, a family, but we're going to center in on uh, two brothers named Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. And the first thing I want to bring out is, well, <coughs> so I don't want to assume that everybody knows the story of Esau and Jacob. So let me go through, through a little bit, of a little bit of a background. Is that okay? So we all know, I hope, that the book of Genesis is the first book of the Bible, right? And I, th I hope, let me just run through a little background. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Genesis, right? Chapter 1 talks about uh, how God created the world, right? Chapter 2, God creates Adam and Eve, puts them in the Garden of Eden, right? And he walks and he talks with them, right? Chapter 3, Satan comes in the form of a serpent deceives them, right? They eat the forbidden fruit. Sin is now released into the world, right? We're tracking together. We're tracking together, right? God puts them out of the garden. God used to walk and talk with them, Adam and Eve, in the cool of the day. But because they disobeyed, because they released sin into the world, God puts them out of the garden, but not without telling them, hey, I got you. I'm going to provide a way. He already knew he was going to send Jesus to be our redeemer. Right? So I want you to read it for yourself later, but go back and read some of these chapters, these next chapters, four, five, six, seven. We see the chaos. There's two stories. There are two stories in the Bible. Some of them are really crazy and wild, right? But they're talking about what happens when sin reigns in the world. It's chaos. It's chaotic. It's crazy. We get to uh, some later chapters, six, seven chapters later, and God is really like looking down on the earth that he created, the world he created. He's like, I want to do a reset, right? So he speaks to a man named Noah. He says, Noah, get ready and build a boat. <laughs> build a big boat, right? Build an ark. I'm going to send rain for 40 days and 40 nights, bring a great flood. I want you to rescue your family. Those who will hear you preaching, right? And uh, the animals. We know this story, right? So that's the story of Noah. Go a few more chapters into Genesis, and we're going we're gonna to be introduced to a man named Abram. Abram is a, a man who lives in the land of Ur among a bunch of people called the Chaldeans. And God calls Abram, says, come follow me. I will show you a land flowing with milk and honey. 
right? That's about chapter 14 or 15 of Genesis, right? So we're just building a little background here. 15, so uh, God brings Adam, uh, excuse me, Abram and his wife Sarai out of that land, and they have an experience. They, they encounter God, and God starts speaking to Abraham and says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. This is mind-blowing to him, right, because he and his wife have no children. God actually changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. He changes Sarai's name to Sarah. So there's, just keep that in mind, name changes, name changes. I'm just giving us a little background so we know, because I don't want to just assume that everybody knows Jacob and Esau. Abraham has a son named Isaac. Perhaps you remember the story, because Abraham had to wait many, many years till he was quite an old man. He trusted God, and God finally blessed him and Sarah with a child, Isaac, right? And Isaac is the one, maybe we've heard the story, maybe it's a little rusty in our head, but God calls Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. It was a test, he almost did it, but God provided, God provided. Isaac is Abraham's son, and Isaac marries a woman named Rebecca, right? And so that's where we're going to kind of land right now, okay? So I'm going to begin in Genesis 25, 19, okay? And what we're going to look at, oh, one other thing I want to mention is most scholars believe that the book of uh, Genesis and those first five books of the Bible were all written by a man named Moses. Remember Moses up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, right? So imagine this. This was written 3,500 years ago by Moses. And I bet you Moses, I'm just going to get into his head a little bit. Maybe you guys want to join me getting into his head. He was probably thinking, you know what? I'm going to write this book down and pass these stories on to generations. He was probably imagining a few generations down the line. I don't think, I don't think, maybe I'm wrong, that Moses could imagine Chicago in 2023. Right? Moses lived in tents. Everyone around him lived in a tent. Moses wore sandals, right? Moses never had a cell phone, never had a television, never had a car, right? So he can't imagine us. But it's our job, I believe, to imagine him, his time. Who's he writing to? Pardon me, am I cracking a little bit? <laughs> Thank you. And so let's imagine that time. So as we look at the scriptures this morning, we're going to see some things that like, hmm, that doesn't make sense to me. We're going to see things like arranged marriages, which we don't do at this time. We're going to learn about different customs, different traditions. We're going to say, wow, we don't do that here. And that's okay. Again, our job is to kind of get into their shoes, understand, and then we can draw things out. What we can do, what we can do is say, hey, look at these people, because I believe that people are people, right? We're going to look at some of the characteristics, maybe some of the character defects of these people, and say, wow, do I know anybody like that? Let's see what we can draw out. So uh, Genesis 25, starting in verse 19. This is the account of the family line of Abraham, son of Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel the Aramean, from Padam Aram, and the sister of Laban. Verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant with twins. The babies jostled within each other, uh, within her, and she said, what is happening to me? She doesn't know. She doesn't understand. She doesn't know she has twins, but God reveals it to her. The Lord said to her in verse 23, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples within you will be separated. The people will no longer, excuse me, one people will be stronger and the other than the other. The older will serve the younger. Now, I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but to them, it's like, what? So two nations knew you're coming. God already spoke to Abraham and said, I will make you a father of many nations. So he's starting to fulfill it right here. And he says, the one will be stronger than the other, the older will serve the younger. This doesn't make sense to us now, but let's draw it out. 
Verse uh, 24, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first one to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. Do you know anybody who's hairy? <laughs> Have you ever seen a hairy baby? Yeah. So again, let's step back into that world and try to understand them. She was naming her older son after the way he looked. She saw him and responded, okay? After this, his brother came out, and his hand was grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Okay, so picture this. I don't know about you guys, but twins run in my family. My uh, brother's uh, wife, Amas, she had twins 40 years ago, Victor and Vanessa, and I think they're about eight minutes apart. And then my younger brother, David, has twins in his, in his family. His wife, uh, Norma, had twins 25, 26 years ago. Again, about eight or ten minutes apart. And look at these twins, one right after the other. So much so that Jacob, the younger, is grasping his brother's heel. And they named him Jacob just for that. And I was thinking to myself, what is going on here? So I think the Holy Spirit was trying to give me a picture. Have you ever seen somebody trip somebody? Huh? Right? <laughs> Who remembers the Olympics from, I don't know how many years ago? Nancy Kerrigan? Remember those names? What did the, the ghoulie do? Do you remember? Yeah, right? So the idea here is that I think Jacob is called the deceiver. Jacob's called the deceiver. I looked in the Celebrate Recovery Bible, and there it calls him trickster. That's a word that Jose likes to use a lot, tricksters. But that's the idea. Jacob, that's, that's who he is. That's who he is. He's going to be tripping up his brother, and we're going to see that as we go along, right? After, his after this, his brother came out, and his hand was grasping Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. Isaac was six years old when Rebekah gave birth to him. Verse 27, I'm going to drop down. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, Isaac the father, Loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Let me state that another way. Isaac favored Esau because he looked, he looked, he took after his father. And Rebekah favored Jacob for the same reason. So again, let's stop here and look at a human characteristic. One favored this son, the other favored that son. That's a human thing, right? That's not a God thing. That's not a God thing. God says in a couple places in um in the New Testament about favoritism. Actually, he calls it in, in uh, the book of James, sin. Don't favor, don't favor anyone. But human beings, that's not a God thing, that's a human thing. So, Have you ever seen that where people pay favorites? Just asking. So let me go to verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have, have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Esau says, look, I'm about to die. What good is birthright to me? So, again, let me stop and say, what, is, what are they talking about? Birthright, birthright. We don't really understand that in this culture, in Chicago 2023, but we have to understand that culture. They all knew it. They all knew it well. So, again, let me use my family as a, an example. How many, how many here know that I have ten brothers and sisters? Yeah. True, true. My, yeah, yeah, my parents started their family in 1951 with the birth of my oldest sister, Lupe. Then my brother, Felipe, came afterwards, right? We've always honored and respected my sister, Lupe, as the oldest. But we're living here in this time. Let's think back then. Birthright. If my parents lived in that time and they had 11 children, I'm not saying I agree with this, but this was that time. They wouldn't have thought of my sister, Lupe. They would have looked at my, uh, my second sibling, Felipe, and said he would have gotten the birthright, the oldest male. I'm not saying I agree with. These are human things, right? And if my father was a king or a nobleman, my parents are both passed on now, but, you know, my father would have looked at his kingdom, estate, whatever, and would have divided into 12 equal pieces. Wait a minute, Julian. You said 11 kids. How come 12? Exactly. My brother Felipe, if they lived in that time, would have gotten a double portion. 
Why? Because he's the oldest. He would have gotten the birthright. In that time, in that culture, everybody knew it. The oldest is going to get a double portion. Why? It's It's a position of honor. The oldest son was going to be expected to carry on the family name, the family legacy. They wanted to give him a leg up. So in that time, a birthright was a big thing. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. Even the twins knew it. But Esau despised it. He hated it. He didn't care. He did nothing. Tell you what, <laughs> I said the word earlier that uh, Jacob is a deceiver, trickster. Right? I want to call him a con man. And I bet you he was studying his older brother. He said, you know what? He doesn't care about the birthright. He doesn't value it. Give me a smack at that. He was thinking about it, thinking about it, waiting for the perfect moment. Here comes his brother. He's famished. He doesn't care. Give me some of that stew. Some of your birthright. Let's take a look. Verse 31. Jacob replied, first some of your birthright. Look, I'm about to die. What good right is the birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me first. See, he'd been thinking about it, planning. He's a con man. He's a planner, plotter. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and he drank and got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Look at it right there. We don't value things. He rejected it. He didn't care. Let me go to uh, chapter 27, verse 1. We're going to skip over 26. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, Now I'm old and I don't know the day of my death. Get your equipment, your quiver and your bow, your bow and arrow, Go out to the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me that kind of tasty meal that I like. Bring it to me to eat so I can give you my blessing before I die. So this is a big deal. That blessing, that's that birthright blessing, right? Remember I said earlier that the father favored the son? Here we see it. He's like, hey, I like game. You like game. Yeah, right? So he's like, it's like almost... I'm going to say this. I don't know if the Bible says this. It's like asking for a last, last supper, last meal, right? Now, Rebecca, going to verse 5. Now, Rebecca was listening. I'm going to throw this in there. Maybe eavesdropping. <laughs> Do you know anybody like that? Are you anybody like that? Rebecca was listening. As Isaac spoke to her son Esau, when Esau left for the open country to hunt game, bring it back, Rebekah said to her son, look, I overheard your father. See, I overheard your father eavesdropping. Say to your brother Esau, bring me some game prepared so I can eat and I can give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully. Do exactly what I tell you. She's been planning. She's been plotting. Go out to the flocks. Go to the backyard. Bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food. So she knows her husband. She knows what he likes. Bring me some of that tasty food. Then you can take it to your father. Remember I said how one favors the other because Jacob took after his mother. We kind of see it here, right? Jacob said to his mother, Rebecca's mother, but but my brother Esau is a hairy man. While I have smooth skin, what if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down curses on myself rather than blessing Interesting to say that he's worried about how he would appear. He's not worried that he would trick his father. He doesn't want to get caught. Um, His mother said, let me take care of that. Let it fall on me. Just do what I say. Go get them. So he went, got them, brought her to his mother. She prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took some of the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and a smooth part of his neck with goatskin. And she handed them to her son Jacob. So she handed her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Remember, he's lying. Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. He's lying here, right? I've done as you told me. Please sit up, eat some of your game so that I may give you, so you may give me your blessing. Isaac answered, how did you find it so quickly, my son? 
The Lord, your God, gave me success. Your God. Not Jacob's God, your God. Then Isaac said, come here so I can touch you, my son, to know whether or not you really are my son Esau. Jacob went close to his father. He touched him and said, hmm, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He didn't recognize him, for his hands were hairy like his those of his brother Esau. So remember when his mother uh, got some uh, goat skins? And you can imagine Esau, he's out there hunting. He's under that sun. His skin gets leathery. Jacob's is smooth, so mom's like, I'm going to fix that. She's, she's a scammer. A little bit like, right? Bring me some goat to eat so I may, uh, excuse me, bring me some of your game to eat so I may eat and give you my blessing. Jacob brought him, he ate, gave him some wine, get him right. Then his father Isaac said, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went and kissed him, and when Isaac caught the scent of his clothes, he blessed him. Remember, he's wearing his brother's clothes. Ah. The smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. And he starts in with that blessing. He says, may God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. May the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Jacob has successfully deceived his uh, father. Guess what else he's done? He's ticked off his brother. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Let me drop down to verse 41. Esau is mad. Verse 41. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So everybody knows that dad's dying. He's like, all right, dad's going to die one day soon. Then there's going to be a mourning period. Then it's over. Amen. When Rebecca was told of what her older son Esau had said, she sent her younger son for her younger son and said, Your brother Esau is planning to avenge you by killing you. Now do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban's. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, then I'll send word to you. You can come back here. Why should I lose them both? So look at this human characteristic. She's still plotting and planning. Is there any inquiring of God? Is there any asking of God? Man, I could say I do this sometimes. I have to be transparent. As I was preparing this message, I have to ask myself, man, do I do that? Do I just go about my plans and doing my things, or do I first look to God? God, do I have this mission? Can I do this? So this is why these things were written for us. We can look at these characteristics and say, do I see myself in this? Do we see ourselves in this? So Rebecca's concerned. She wants to send her son away because she's like, man, I don't want to lose them both. They might, you know, she wants to save his life and probably both. But she sent him away. She needs a good reason. So Rebecca says to her husband, I'm disgusted. See, her older son Esau married a woman outside the clan. God is trying to build up this nation. So he's trying to get them to... Remember, this shouldn't be so, you know, so surprising to us, right? Adam and Eve had children. How did they populate the earth? Their sons had to marry their daughters, right? I know it sounds strange to us, but God allowed that, right? We have to, we have to understand that. God now is trying to build a nation, so he's trying to keep them within the family, marry somebody in the clan. So Rebecca's like, I'm disgusted living with these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife among, among the women of his land, like one of these women, then my life will not be worth living. Esau married outside the clan, and she said to herself, what if Jacob does too? So she's planting that seed in her husband's mind, right? She's got it. She sent her son away, but now she's got to figure out a way to explain that, right? So she plants that thought in her husband's mind. Chapter 28, verse tw 1 says, Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Patamaran, to the house of your mother's brother, oh, excuse me, to uh, father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. So keep it in the family, keep it in the family. 
May God Almighty bless you, make you uh, fruitful, increase your numbers until you become a community of people. May he give you and your descendants the blessing of Abraham. Remember, he's going to make them a father of many nations. Take possession of the land where you now live, reside as a foreigner. May God and the land of God uh, gave to Abram. Abraham. Isaac went to uh, send Jacob away. He paid him Aaron to Laban, the mother's brother. So what's happening here? Again, <coughs> maybe we don't see this, but they know what's going on. She's kind of arranging a marriage, or he's arranging a marriage. He's telling them, go there. You'll probably find a wife there. It's family. That's within the clan, right? And God didn't forbid it yet, so we may think it's because we're living in Chicago 2023, where we have to get into those shoes, right? Right? So let's go to uh, chapter uh, 29. I'm going to run through verses 1 through 14. Hopefully I'll keep this short but interesting. Jacob arrives in the land and sees Rachel. How many of you remember that movie, Roger Rabbit? Right? <laughs> remember when Roger first sees um, Jessica? Wow! Remember that? His eyes bulged out. I think this is what happened to him then. Let's look at the scripture. Jacob continues on his journey, and he came to the land of eastern peoples. He saw there an open, uh, a well in the open country with three flocks of sheep lying near the, uh, near, um, uh, three flocks of sheep, uh, lying near it, because the flocks were watered from that well. There was a stone over the mouth of the well, which was large. The flocks were all gathered there. The shepherds would come together, and they would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water sheep. Then they'd return the stone wherever, blah, blah, blah. So Jacob says, hey, bros, where are you guys from? We're from Haran. Hey, do you know Laban? Yeah. Is he well? Yes, he is. Hey, there comes his daughter, Rachel. <laughs> this is that scene where he's like, bam, man. Remember Pastor Tom was telling us recently when he first saw Tracy? He saw her. He's like, hey, how you doing, right? How you doing, right? <laughs> so this is what we men do. He sees her come, and he says to those guys, hey, you chumps, scram. <laughs> right? That's what he's <laughs> Look, let's look. He says, look, the sun is high. It's not time for the wa uh, flocks to be water gathered. Water sheep, get out of here. It's not time to water sheep. Get out of here. Let's go. They said, we can't. Not until all the flocks gather, then all us, the shepherds, we get together, we roll away that stone. Remember, it's heavy. While he's still talking with them, Rachel comes with her father's sheep. Here she was a shepherdess. Then Jacob saw Rachel, ooh, the daughter of her uncle Laban and Laban's sheep. He went over and rolled the stone away. I bet you what's happening is he got a can of spinach like Popeye. <laughs> Remember that? Bam! He's trying to impress her, right? He sees her. Rolls that stone away. Not only that, but he waters her sheep. He's trying to impress her. He's trying to impress her. He's looking for a wife. Um, rolls away the stone, waters sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep out loud. He told Rachel that he was a relative of her father, the son of Rebekah. So she ran and told her father. What's happening here? He knows. <laughs> but he knows, he knows, he knows that he's being sent over to look for a wife. She's probably told her dad, dad, I, I, I want to start dating. He probably said, you can't date till this age, <laughs> right? And then he says, I want you to marry within the clan. So he tells her, hey, I'm your cousin. I'm this, I'm that, I'm from your people. She's like, whoa. Dad would approve of this one. I want to date this one. She goes back and tells her dad, and look what it says. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried out to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him back home. And there he told Jacob all these things. Then Laban said, your flesh and my flesh, your flesh and my own flesh and blood. I think he's telling him, hey, you're eligible to marry my daughter. It's safe to say that uh, Jake rolled away the stones to impress Rachel. Now he thinks he needs to impress dad. So guess what he does? He stays with Laban for a while. And uh, every time they have a meal, Guess what? Jake is the first one to say, oh, clear the table? I'll clear the table. 
do the dishes, I'll do the dishes. Or are you going to wash? I'll dry, right? He's trying to impress the dad. Hey, you need your camel wash, washed and waxed? I'll wash and wax your camel, right? All these things. Need the gutter uh, clean? I'm your man. He's trying to impress the dad. So he's been with him for a while, verse 18, and Laban says to him, hey, just because you're a relative of mine, should you work for me for free, for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Jacob, he's a thinker, right? He's like, you know. He said, um, Laban had two daughters. The older was named Leah, and the younger was Rachel. Rachel's the one he met, right? Leah had weak eyes, let's say delicate eyes, right? That's the way it translates. But uh, Rachel was lovely in figure and beautiful. She was pretty and she had a nice shape. Jacob was in love with Rachel. So he said, hey, I'll work for you seven years in return for your daughters. That was typical. That was typical at that time. So Laban said, hey, it's better I give her to you than someone else. Stay here with me. But he doesn't know. The trickster is about to be tricked. The con man is about to be conned. So let me just shorten up the story here a little bit. The next few verses talks about how Jacob works and works and works, but it doesn't feel like work. Seven years go by because who knows time flies when you're having fun, right? So then Jacob goes to uh, his father, uh, Laban, who's not his father-in-law yet. He says, give me a daughter. Cool. So the the way they do it here, Pastor Tom and Tracy just married one of their daughters off yesterday, right? What did they do? They had an engagement period and they had a ceremony and they had the reception, right? Pretty typical, right? But this is not typical because that is a different time. So what they did in that time, there was an arranged marriage. When they came together for the, for the wedding, it was a little different. What they did is they had the, 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 the banquet first. Then at the end of the night, they brought out the bride, and the, the marriage was <coughs> consummated. Right? The, uh, the, the bride would go into the tent, and the groom would go afterwards. So they've been brought together all the people, gave a feast. His daughter Leah brought him to Jacob, and Jacob made love to her, consummated marriage. Laban also gave his servant Zippah to his daughter. He gave his maid, he gave it to a daughter to be her maid. When morning came, there was Leah. I thought Jacob was in love with Rachel. Remember I said he, the con man was about to be con? That's why the father liquored him up. Put a veil, right? So when morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, why have you done this to me? I served you for Rachel. Wasn't the, the agreement for Rachel? Why have you deceived me? He was played. Laban replied, it's not our custom to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish the bridal week with her. He's telling her, finish up your honeymoon. Then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years worth of work. So the deal was seven years, give me a daughter. He tricks him. He says, you want the younger daughter? I'll give it to you. Finish the honeymoon week, and then I'll give you my other daughter. Crazy, but this is what's happening. People are taking matters in their own hands. Again, is anybody asking God anything? Do you know anybody like that? Do you know anybody who does things in their own power? <laughs> right? I have to preach to myself first. And to be honest with you, to be transparent, I do it a lot more than I should. You know, I try starting a business. It's not going so well. I have to ask myself, Lord, was I inquiring of you? Am I seeking your will first? You're my family. I have to be transparent with you. I have to go first. I need to ask myself these questions. I know God kind. God is merciful. He'll be merciful to me. He'll be merciful to you. But I want to get more in the pattern of asking God his will than doing things in my own strength, my own power, my own conniving, manipulating, things like this. So we need to ask ourselves, am I like this? Do I do these things? So Jacob did. He finished that week with Leah. Then Laban gave, Laban gave Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his maid. Tell me what the names, guys. If you know it, Bilhah to his daughter, Rachel. So he, he had another maid, and he gave her to Rachel to be her maid, right? As her attendant, Jacob loved Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater for his love for Leah. And he worked another seven years for Laban. So again, the con man got conned. But again, we're going to see, if you take the time, and I wish you will, 
read chapter 30 because what it goes into is the competition that's between sisters, you know. Leah can see that Jacob loves her sister more than her. So she's like, well, maybe if I get a child. And God blessed her with a son. And she's like, yes, my husband will love me. Didn't. Another son, another son. God will love me. He'll love me. He'll love me. Do we see uh, ourselves in these pictures where, where, where we think that we can gain somebody's love and appreciation by these are human things, human things, human things. So there's a competition again. Read chapter 30 for yourself. Excuse me. Chapter, uh, is that chapter 29? Yeah, 29. Or yeah, 30, 30, 30. Excuse me. Um, read for yourself and watch the back and forth, the competition, the jealousy, the this and the that. And maybe human things, human things. These are not God things. Let me see that. Pastor Tom has his iPad. <laughs> I have my iPad right here. So um, what's happening is, uh, yeah, so God is growing Jacob's family. Next thing you know, he's got seven sons. He goes to his uncle Laban and says, hey, God is growing my family. Two wives, children, let me go back to my country. He's like, Laban, like, he, he notices that God is blessing him because of Jacob's on his property, right? He's in his home. He's like, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. I'll pay you whatever you want. Come on. And uh, they're negotiating. Jacob says, you know what, I, t I really don't want anything, but if you want to give me something, he goes, let me go through all your sheep, and I'll take the weak ones. I'll take the, who's ever heard of a black sheep? Right? The black sheep, that's a real thing. Sheep are, um, we think of sheep as being, you know, pure, white, right? Even the Bible talks about that, but there's some black sheep. He's like, I'll go through the flock. Let me pick out the, the speckled, you know, um, uh, sheep, the black sheep, the striped sheep. He goes, you keep the perfect ones. Laban, again, is going to try to scam him. What he does, he goes, he agrees, but he tries to scam him again, con him out. So he goes and picks out all the defective sheep and takes them away, three days away. So now when Jake goes, he's looking for the, the speckled, the spotted, the, the black sheep. Where are they? He can't find them. He's conning them. So what he does is he goes into his own devices and starts figuring out a way that he's going to, Create black sheep. He does some crazy things. Read it for yourself. I'm just trying to consider your time. So just trust this, that uh, read it for yourself, that, that, that he's doing some more manipulation things in his own strength and his own power to try to get this. And you know what? It kind of works. Actually, it's God who's doing it, right? Because we can't create sheep. We can't create nothing. God does. But uh, he comes back, and God continues to bless him. But what happens, again, is a little bit of jealousy. Laban's son's like, hey, man, this guy's getting rich. I see him from my dad. Really all God. But they're getting jealous. And Laban's not liking this either. So they're like, all right, time to go. So this guy's going. He's like, all right, let me go. Let me get going. Let me get going. He's prosperous now. He's got camel. He's got sheep. He's going to go back. But guess what? He's got to face his brother Esau. He's like, all right, all right, all right. I got this. I got this. I got this. What I'm going to do, he goes, I'm going to send Esau a gift. So he takes up from among his flock and he sends forth all these flocks. He sends a, a messenger looking, you know, to go ahead of him. Said, hey, when my brother asks, who are you? He goes, hey, w we belong to your servant Jacob. And these are your gifts. He's trying to butter him up. He's trying to butter him up. He's like, hey, I'm coming. Let me give you these gifts. He sends him a ton of sheep, a ton of stuff. <sighs> when the servants come back to Jacob, they're like, hey, what did my brother say? He said, your brother's coming out to meet you with 400 men. You know what he heard? Esau's coming with an army. So Jacob's like, oh, man, let me think, let me think, let me think. So he's trying to, he's like, all right, all right I got to rescue somehow. He goes, I'm going to take one wife with her kids and send them this way. I'm going to take one wife with her kids, send them that way, and divide up my, my sheep and my goats and my fish. What he's trying to do is he's hoping that Esau will go either this way or that way, saving one instead of the other. He's planning, he's plotting, he's scheming, he's sending them ahead, he's thinking all this stuff. And then what happens? One night, as Jacob is starting to travel, he, um, he sends him ahead. He wants to be alone in his thoughts. It's the middle of the night, and what happens is Jacob gets attacked by a man. He's thinking, man, this is my brother Esau. He's probably thinking, I'm guessing that. And so there's a wrestling match. Jacob is in the fight for his life. 
all night long he's wrestling and wrestling and fighting and he cannot overpower this man but this other man's like man Jacob is tenacious all night all night all night they wrestle it's for Jacob it's a blood match all night so now it's going to be daybreak the man says to Jacob hey the night's almost over the morning will be here soon let me go I got to get out of here Jacob is tenacious <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not letting you go. He's got him in a death grip. He wants something from this man. He knows the power of blessing. He said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. The guy's like, man, why? He touches him in the hip, dislocating his, uh, his hip joint. Yeah. Jacob doesn't know this, but he's been wrestling with God. He thought he was wrestling his brother. But God wants to show him something. He's like, man, you're used to doing things on your own. The way to do it, no matter what comes your way, ultimately you've got to wrestle with me. Come to me. It's a fight. He dislocates his shoulder, his, uh, his hip. When he asks for his blessings, he goes, what's your name? He goes, Jacob. The man says to him, no. You're no longer going to be known as Jacob, the deceiver. I'm changing your name. Remember how I said Abram's name was changed? Remember that? From Abram to Abraham. I'm going to make you a man of many nations. He changed Saul's name to Paul on the road to Damascus, right? You're a new man, new identity. So as we struggle with God, we get a blessing. Maybe a new identity. Maybe a new identity. Jacob wasn't sure he had wrestled with God. He kind of had an idea, but he goes, hey, what's your name? The man turns to him and said, why do you want to know my name? He didn't answer him. He kind of gave him a, what do you call it? Like he answered his question with a question. Let's think about this. Remember when Moses encountered uh, God in the burning bush? He said, what's your name? He didn't really give him a direct answer. I am who I am. All of a sudden, it clicks with Jacob, or Israel now. <laughs> he says, your name is Israel, because you wrestled with man, you wrestled with God, and you survived. So he's like, man, he named that place uh, Peniel or something like that, because he, um, he wrestled with God. So as we just draw down, just let me wrap up the story with this. Now he's touched, he's humbled, he has a new identity. He wrestles with God, he wrestles all night. Gets God's blessing. He receives a new name, a new identity. He's a new man. So he goes on to meet his brother Esau. He knows his brother Esau's after him. He vowed to kill him. And he heard he's coming with an army of 400. He's no longer wrapped up in who he was the deceiver, the con man, the scammer. So he goes to his brother Jacob, excuse me, uh, Esau. He goes humbly. And he's willing to sacrifice himself. He bows down to his brother. He's ready to have him chop off his head. What does his brother do? <coughs> Something grabs him, loves him, accepts him, brings him into his house. The threat is over. We don't really know here, but God, I'm sure, was working on Esau, just like he was working on Jacob. So what, again, what I wanted us to do is get back into that world, get into those shoes, see how people are still people. People do this, people do that, take control, they manipulate, they, they lie, right? So we don't have to understand everything we, you know, that's going on there, but we want to ask ourselves, do we take control? Do we we want to take control of things, right? But why is that? Because we, we can't trust anyone but ourselves. Until we encounter God. And it may be costly. It may be a struggle. You, like, like Jacob, like Israel, might come away with a limp. Because once he touched him in the hip, he'd limp the rest of his life. So as you struggle, as you encounter God, you may come away with a limp. But I'll tell you this, you'll be blessed. You'll have a new identity. You'll have a new purpose. And like Jacob, who became Israel, you will be Amen.
Amen. So, man. <laughs> Praise God, this is all of him. <laughs> I had no, no real desire to preach, but man, that's him. That's him at work. So let me ask, can you identify yourself in any of his characters? Can you identify in any yourself in any of these characteristics? You do some of these things. And if you do, as the worship team comes up, actually, well, let me ask you guys to stand to your feet. And just put it before you, like I had to put it before myself. Do I see myself in the story? Am I a con man? Am I a manipulator? Am I a liar? Do I want to take control? Do I seek things in my own strength before I seek God's guidance? I want to ask you the same thing. Like I said, God is kind. He's merciful. I want to invite us to, if you feel like it, just come forward. The altar will be open. If you want, put yourself, your characteristics before God. Count to God. If it's necessary, wrestle with God. Let him bless you. Let him bring your limitations. Amen. A thousand generations falling down and worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who go before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the Lamb. Your name is the highest, your name is the greatest, your name stands above it all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above it all.
Thank you, family. Thank you for this high honor and privilege to share with you. It's truly, truly humbling. I pray that God spoke to you. I'm going to pray for us and dismiss us. <laughs> but just before I do that, <laughs> I want to take a, a, a moment and just gently correct Anthony. I've been part of New Life since just after the earthquake. <laughs> I've been here for a little bit, but uh, man, I had such a blessing to be a part of New Life Midway for 10 years before I came here. I don't know how many know Pastor Mark Job. Yeah, I was blessed to be under his teaching for 10 years before John DeLong recruited over me here. It's been a blessing, it really has. You're my family. I also want to take a moment and thank my New Life Midway family for coming out and visiting me, supporting me. Thank you. These are our brothers and sisters. We are one church in many locations. Let's always remember that we are New Life Montclair, but we're part of a bigger family. So thank you, family and friends. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening, sitting under God's teaching. Thank you for being patient with me as I stumble through all this. And let me leave you with a blessing and a benediction. So, Heavenly Father, Lord God, just thank you for your kindness, your goodness, your mercy, Lord God. You are a powerful, mighty God. You spoke the world into creation, Lord God. You got on your hands and knees and you gathered up dirt and created Adam, did the same thing with Eve. Breathe life into them, Lord God. You're a powerful God of, uh, 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 of life and creation, Lord God. But you're also a tender, loving, personal God, Lord. Thank you for being all those things to us and for us, Lord God. So I lift up to you this morning, this message. I lift up to everyone's heart, Lord God. I don't know where they are, Lord God. You do. So, Lord God, continue to speak this message to their heart, Lord God. If there's some one-on-one -on -one time, Lord God, they have to do with you, Lord God, I pray that you allow them to roll up their sleeves and come before you, Lord God. Thank you for the worship team, Lord God. Thank you for the service, Lord God. I lift up my brothers and sisters, Lord God. I ask you to bless them, Lord God. Bless them mightily, abundantly, Lord God. Let them go in your presence, Lord God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you. <laughs> I was nervous, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nervous as heck.